Hey, welcome to podcast number eight, starring Ed and Eddie. Yes, this is a special Mother's Day podcast. Uh, so we're going to say, you know, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You know, um, we got a very special guest for all the mothers out there, too. Um, this guy is incredible. We're lucky to get him. He's uh, spent eight years with B.B. King. He's played for Charlie Musselwhite, Matt Guitar Murphy, Kate Webster, Sonny Rose, and also played for Willie Nelson. He's yeah. been with Lucky Peterson, Kenny Neal. Yeah, the who's who's of blues. Uh, if you don't know him uh, by now, I'm sure you'll know him when you hear this first song here. Uh, and then we're going to bring him on home or bring him on out, okay? So, uh. Every time I turn around, one of our lessons are gone. Six feet in the ground. That's why I'm. Whoa, I'm becoming the blue To a better place Same old face Well taken care of In a very special way That's why I'm Whoa, I'm becoming the blue The masters left us with tradition and the different shades of the blue. They taught us heart and soul. Something that you never ever lose. Oh, that old feeling dreaming for the day. If you don't have it and then you try to fade. I, oh, I'm becoming the blues. I live my life singing the blues. Some play my music and they don't play no dues. That's why I, oh, I. Left us with tradition and the different shades of the blue. Taught us our control, something that you never ever lose. Whoa, now so cold. Yes, Becoming the Blues. We got him here on the Double E Podcast. Give it up for Russell Jackson. <laughs> hey, Russell, you there? Yes, I am. Oh, up, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's a classic there, dude. That's that's yeah. that's live. Uh, All right, man. Hey, uh, now, Russell, you were born in Memphis, Tennessee, correct? Born in Memphis, Tennessee, June 11, 1954. How long did you live in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Russell? 
Well, I, I didn't actually, I didn't live in Memphis. I was born there, and my folks left there when I was a year old, and, and they all moved to Wichita, Kansas. Okay, now when were you in Wichita again? What year? Well, what year? I, well, I was raised up in Wichita. I left there in 72 after I graduated out of high school, Wichita Heights. Which, Wichita Heights? Wichita Heights. Yep. Hold yeah, on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Uh, and, 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 who, I went to, uh, and I went to junior high at uh, Coleman Junior High. Oh, see, now, I remember Coleman, because I yeah. got to play basketball against them for 23 seconds. But <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's another story. Now, you said Wichita, because I'm actually from Wichita. Uh, yeah, and Jackson. Where did you know? Did you live off of Hillside? Yep, 14th Hillside. 14th Hillside. Yeah, 328 14th Street, right on 14th Hillside. You had a brother that wasn't famous, but had a famous name, like Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Are you my stepbrother? <laughs> <laughs> did, did my mom, did my dad marry your mom? Yes, he did. <laughs> That's right. See, now y'all heard it from Russell. I've been bragging about him all this time. Now y'all know. Okay, because I used to tell people to go look on the CD, and at the back of the CD, my name would be mentioned, because when I was young, well, when I was younger, he took my uh, allowance, uh -huh. and he said, "You give me your allowance, I'll put your name on the back of the CD." <laughs> See, so for six years, I thought I was God, because that was the first, that was the only name I didn't recognize. <laughs> now, Russell. Living in Wichita, living in Wichita, because I showed up in um, El Dorado, Kansas, at Butler Junior College on a basketball scholarship, and this was in, this was in eighty. So, when you were in Wichita in you say seventy two, seventy three. Well, well, yeah, I like I said my folks moved there when I was one year one years old, so it had to be like in nineteen fifty five. So fifty five to seventy two. I grew up in Wichita, uh, went to school in Wichita, and I graduated from Wichita Heights in 72. And, and uh, uh, that's when I decided I wanted to uh, went into the military. And went into the military, when I went to the military is when I decided I wanted to, start to be a bass player, you know. So it happened when you were in the military, you decided you wanted to be, to be a bass yeah, player. But, uh, well, you know, joining the military took me out of my environment. I kind of got my head together and decided to do something with my life. And then I... I figured that I could, you know, I started feeling around with the bass and found out I could play it a little bit. And then I found out I could actually make some money playing it. And then the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> and when, did, when, did, when, did, when did you start uh, playing the bass? When? Yes. Uh, somewhere around March or April of 1974. Okay, okay. And then you, uh, you did you start off playing the blues? No, no, you know what? I kind of what they call I came into the blues through the back door because when I when I um, started going to, to school at, at Coleman Junior High and hanging out with white kids, they were doing a lot of rock, and you know I was like a hippie, so I started getting into a lot of rock and roll, the, the British rock bands, and what I found out were they were trying to imitate the blues guys from down south. Oh. So when, when I figured when I figured out, I said okay, so I started getting into the blues. And then when I got out of the military in 75, uh, 1975, I, um, a year ago I moved to Chicago, which was a hotbed for the blues, and uh, kind of just got just got blown away by the blues when I went to Chicago, and I just kind of fell in love with it, and here I am today, you know, still doing it. 
And when you were singing the blues and really getting into it, because that why why answers, did it take you back to? I mean, did, did, was there a lot of things to sing about in the blues that, like back home in '72, that was going on in Wichita, or or what was the oh, most things that you oh, make you feel the no, blues? No, not, not really, because when you you sing the blues, you know, you don't necessarily mean you're always depressed because there's happy blues uh, and I mean if you hit the lottery and win a million dollars then you got the blues with a different kind of blues right on. so man, you know growing up and the way I grew up too pretty poor in, in, in the hood stuff yeah you got a lot of stuff you can relate to uh, and uh, so when I the blues was a perfect fit for me when I started singing it and um, then I started writing songs but only a lot of songs I write are not about you know Man and woman, you know, always doing this or doing that. It's, you know, it's about life. Blues is about life, right? Most definitely. Now, you went to Chicago, and uh, the first who was the first group that you actually started playing with? Or who did you start playing with? Oh, when I, when I first moved to Chicago, the, my first act that I started playing with was a guy by the name of Otis Clay. Okay. He's a well-known, uh, what they call a well-known soul singer. He, a soul singing, blues singer, right? Yeah. Otis Clay was the first professional gig I got when I got to Chicago. Cool. And then you uh, probably called home and uh, all happy that you probably got it and you started with this one, huh? Started. St- well, or, or, well, or what I was going to say is that you started to do this. Same old dream. <laughs> a brand new life. Because <laughs> that's the way. Everything's seen. I'm in a place. That was my segue for a brand new life, but I had it turned down, so I messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, it's just me and Eddie here, okay? So we ain't got like all the fancy executive producers and stuff like the Ellen show. Okay, but we got some very loyal listeners. Okay, cool. Now, now how long did you play with him? With who? uh, Otis Clay. Yes. Well, I I, I played with Otis Clay from like '76 to until I got with BB. Actually, Uh, I did my first album, live album, with Otis Clay, uh, and I'd only been playing bass about a year. I guess we did it in 1977. I did my first live album with Otis Clay over in Japan, actually. And oh, then we wow. got back from there about a year later when BB, we opened up for BB one night in Chicago. And uh, at the time, BB's music was changing a little bit. He was doing a more funkier, progressive kind of blues. And he needed a bass player that could play the old stuff, the old school, and the new school. So that's how I got the gig with Baby with BB through Otis Clay. And, and see, that answers the question that I wanted to ask you: Is uh, how did you get that job with BB? I was just going to ask you that, man. Well, well, that's how I got the job. But uh, at the same time, uh, it was it was a thousand other bass players that were waiting on that same job, but BB chose me. Wow! And, and what I found out later was he just saw something in me and decided to give me a chance because I was hungry. You know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, that's all I ever asked for was a chance. When he gave me that chance, you can bet I did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Now, I brought it. Yeah. <laughs> and you went to Russia with BB, didn't you? 
Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, yeah, BB was the first blues guy to tour Russia when it, before it broke up, and I found out one night listening to Jeopardy, and they said BB King. I said, "Wait a minute, I was on that tour," so I kind of made history there with him, you know. Wow. We, we did um, we did twenty seven dates inside of thirty days. Wow. And when they when they have a sellout crowd in Russia, it's against the law in North America because people are all in the highway. They sit down, the place is really packed. I'm talking, you know, highways in front of the stage on the floor. Yes. So anywhere you can find a seat. Exactly. Wow. And we performed in front of and uh, packed out. We started in the southern part of Russia and worked our way up to Moscow. And this was in January. And yes, it was very cold over there, too. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then you did eight years with B.B., well, actually, it was actually it was seven years. Seven. Yeah, because I got with him in January of '79, and I left the band in August of '86. So it was actually seven years in about eight months. But I always say eight years, just you know, just for the lucky side or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> Round it off. <laughs> and and now you're you're roughly how old? I will be sixty-one. Or no, I mean when you when you left BB. Oh, when I left BB, uh, let me see, uh, in 80, 87, yeah, I was about 33 years old when I left BB. I went to school and studied and got my social degree in music and, and, and uh, got out into the world and started, started making my living doing what BB taught me how to do. Now, you went to school in L.A.? Is that correct? Yes, I went to school. Uh, school. It was a private school called Dick Groves, and it was out in the, uh, in the, in the, in the valley in L.A., uh, I did that for like, I took a three-year course over 18 months. So for for 18 months, I just went from my my apartment to school and just kind of shared it and really started getting my, my whole theory and my uh, musical ideas together with what I'd already taught myself. I'm pretty much a self-taught bass player. That's incredible. Now, during this time that you were going to uh, the Dick Grove School of Music, uh, mm-hmm. you you were also uh, with what was called the Silent Partners, correct? Yes, uh-huh. Silent Partners. And uh, now, who all was in that? Do you remember? Well, Tony Coleman, the drummer, uh, the, the guy I met in Fort Riley, Kansas when I, when I was in the Army, uh, he was uh, he. We hooked up and started a band there in the service, and then we got out. We both went to Chicago together. And then when I got with BB, he went with Bobby Bland and Johnny Taylor. And then he came with BB for a while, and we just kind of been in bands uh, since then. And we put Silent Partners together to work with a lot of different other people. Okay. And, and through Silent Partners, I had a chance to uh, record with Kenny Neal, Katie Webster, Charlie Musselwhite, Luther Tucker. The original Blues brother, uh, Matt Murphy. And I had a chance to jam with the likes of Stuart Avon, Eric Clapton, George Benson, because everybody used to come out and sit in with BB, right? Yeah. And uh, we had some classic jams, so I had a chance to, to rub elbows with a lot of stars that way. Wow. Tell us a little bit about Willie Nelson. When did you guys uh, hook up? Oh, that goes back to uh, the Silent Partner days. Uh, uh, Willie and B.B. had done quite a few shows together. You know, B.B. has played with every genre of music there possibly is, I think, from country to uh, 
rap cats, jazz cats. So anyway, we did a tour together. And of course, when you do tours with people, you see them every day. And Willie's a huge blues fan, big time, you know? Willie, Willie does love his blues. So we, uh, when he started doing those farming, they have performers, he'd just have a, a lot of groups of bums at a time to come out and play. And uh, we were always the blues band the first two years that he'd have on. And he'd come out and perform with us. Wow. You know what? what yeah. And, and, and this is, I mean, just so much knowledge that you were kicking. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is what really, really uh, interests me is when you said you can win the lottery and still sing blues. You know, I always thought blues was like when your girlfriend breaks up with you or, you know, Mrs. Ellen wouldn't let you, you know, cut across her yard to get the apple pie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, well, you know, I love that because I did, I did not know that. Well, the thing is, 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 is all, is, there's so many different variations of the blues, right? So you got, like B.B. used to always say, you got happy blues, you got sad blues, you got uh, wake up in the morning kind of blues because that's life. Blues is about life. And people don't realize that, I mean, I've had some people say, well, I've never had the blues. I'm saying, like, really? you never had the blues? I said, well, what about if you go out in your car and you live in, 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 in Minneapolis and it's minus 50 outside, you got to be at work in 20 minutes and you go out there and your car don't start. And you got to sit out there until this guy comes to our job. You got the blues. You just don't know it. <laughs> so, you, so, you know, it's, 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 everybody has that touch with something that goes wrong in their life or something that's, that's really exciting that happens in their life. So it's two different sides of that coin, you know? See, now, and I know, because uh, just from living with you, not to touch your base. That was the first thing he told us. That was the first thing. As soon as we moved in with his family. Uh, as soon as we moved in, the first thing he said, he said, see that over there? He said, don't even touch it. What is it? Hey, don't even touch it. You bet. No, you don't even know what, th- what it is. Now you go touch it? No. But you you played constantly. For somebody that's uh, just getting started, and even if it's not for blues, even if, I mean, whatever genre of music they want to get involved in, how many hours a day did you practice? Well, when I, when I put it this way, the first, the first five years, I spent 12, 14 hours a day playing bass for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start until I was 20 years old. And most people start playing music when they're 14 or 15, and they kind of grow into it that way. And then once I start playing the bass, it started possessing me, so to speak. And it took me away from all my bad habits. I didn't want to go out in the streets and hang out no more. I didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. I didn't want to learn how to play bass. And then I wanted to be the best bass player. When so when you got those things going through your mind, the discipline is there for you to sit down and, and work it out. You know, and I, I refuse to let any song defeat me. In other words, if I heard it, I knew I could play it. That's why I should challenge myself. And speaking of challenges, were you ever out, you know, at a, at a, a, a maybe a, a entertainment one night where, where somebody did challenge you as far as back and forth with the bass player? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> when I first got to Chicago, I'd been playing bass a couple of years. I got to Chicago in 76. And I started playing bass in Texas, and I thought I was a little hot. I thought I was the bad cat <laughs> on the planet. Right? 
Little did I know that, which I found out later, Chicago was a haven for killer bass players. So one day I go out to this jam session at this place on the south side of Chicago, a place called the Silver Shadow. It's called 5015 Garfield. Anyway, I go in there and I'm going in and I'm like, yeah, I'm going out and kick some butt with my bass, blah, 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 you know? I get in there, I'm in the back of the club and I'm looking on stage and this bass player on stage slamming. I'm talking just scary, right? That didn't bother me. What bothered me was I looked to the side of the stage, there was two more bass players that couldn't wait to get up on the stage to try to do <laughs> <out through> him. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I did? What? I eased out the door because he hit my face on the wall. <laughs> I stuck out of the club and went back and said, my goodness, what is going on here? Wow. And, and you talking about I really started to practice and get myself together? Huh. That was a, a, a very valuable lesson. And that's every- when I started digging in just wanting to be the best. You know what? And when you say South Side of Chicago, it makes me think about uh, Leroy Brown on South Side of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> so that's who you ran yeah. into, huh? Bad, bad you, Leroy you Brown. You that song, but you know what? That ain't nothing but a blues song. Did you know that? No, I didn't, sir. Wow. The, the form and the feel of it is it, it, taken right out of the blues. Is that right? See, that's, one, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is all your early rock bands, all of them start out playing blues. All your, your killer jazz cats start out playing blues. And then they went on to be the great jazz or the, the Mick Jaggers and the Rolling Stones or the Led Zeppelin. They all went on to become big rock bands, but they all had that blues in them from day one. Because they came, the British invasion, they came over here and heard the blues cats and just like, this is the greatest stuff in the world, you know? Wow. So, therefore, blues is in... I'd say 90% of North American music, from rock to funk to R&B to jazz to acid jazz to punk, it all stems from the blues. See, now I was telling people, because we watched the uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and I, I told people, I said, dude, honestly, I said, my brother Russell, his hands is just as fast as mayweather Pacquiao." Now, you may not want to believe it, but I want to prove that your hands are just as fast as Mayweather Pacquiao by playing this next song. All right? Uh, this is called Funky Hideaway. All right? You listen to the you listen to the bass on this. And tell me, could Mayweather dodge these punches? That's just the intro there, you know. It's the referee telling him and Mayweather, keep your hands up, just don't hit below the belt, okay? <laughs> and go back to the corner. Now Russell's gonna come out swinging.
Down goes Mayweather. buy the CDs. I'm going out to get one. <laughs> <laughs> now you, uh, and, and, and we'll need to know where people can go to pick up these CDs, too, because you... Oh, well, they got it on, uh, you can go online and get it off the CD, baby. Okay. Yeah. Because you have the Alley Man, Becoming Blues, and Have Mercy. Are all three of those available? Uh, just the last two, uh, Have Mercy and uh, Becoming Blue. Okay. Okay. Why why do I feel like when Ed was going to middle school, you were the reason why he had his first girlfriend walking around with a boom box looking <laughs> <at> <laughs> Dude, I was I was a I was a comedian slash football. You were player. Russell Jackson's yeah. fan. <laughs> That's what you were saying. And I get and if you come by the house I could have you play for you. Russell's probably gone far away. Oh, we yeah, just buddy. missed it. You yeah, just missed it. You just missed it. Don't sit there because that's where he said his base. Okay. <laughs> now tell me, how was how was Canada? I've always been interested in that. How was Canada? Uh, I was living in, uh, in in Vancouver on the West Coast and it was pretty nice. Uh, um, I mean, it's, it's it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different than the U.S. Uh, but it's a, it's a different, it's a little slower paced, you know. And it was a perfect place for me to kind of hone my skills at front of the band and learn to sing and play bass and all that stuff. 
Canada, Canada was great for me. It was great. It gave me a chance to, to develop what I'm what I'm doing now today, right? Gotcha. Now, uh, up in Canada, you did say fronting your own band. That was yeah. when you did form the uh, Russell Jackson Band, correct? Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, up in in uh, Vancouver, though, the blues was pretty big up there, correct? Yeah, the blues, man, the blues is big all over the world, oh, man, except yeah. for the U.S., you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, blues players, nowadays, they go to Europe and they're big stars. Right. So in the U.S., nobody's ever heard of them before, right? They've been that way for a long time. Though, yeah. You know? well, why do you think oh, yeah. that is? What do I think it is? Yeah, yeah. Why do you think well, that is? European people, they have better appreciation for roots music. And whereas in, in North America... U.S. and Canada, they've had it the whole life. It was developed. It was started here. So naturally, we had a chance to kind of like overlook it a lot because we have so much of it here. But over in Europe, they don't have any good blues bands. I mean, except for the guys going and tour around. So they really cherish it. And they, they've always been way toward blues and jazz uh, musicians. They put us up on pedestals, you know. Huh. And uh, cause they know where the, the real music comes from. And they appreciate that. They honor that and uh, they respect that, you know. See, and that's kind of like uh, with their buildings and stuff. I mean, here in the United States, if something becomes, you know, an antique or whatever, we want to tear it down, forget right, about it, and, and yeah. But right. over there, it's 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 revered and it's restored yeah. and it's never, exactly. yeah, never never mess with. Uh, go ahead. And then another thing, too, the people in Europe, they respect the history of the music, and they know where it comes from, and, and you, you can't BS them, because they know, they know the music uh, probably better than most people in America know it, you know? Because they study it, and they love it. They love it to death. Yeah, definitely. Now, with B.B. With King and being in the hospice home, uh, have you been able to talk to him, or have you reached out to his family at all? No, uh, I, I always keep in touch with his, uh, his personal assistant there. Okay. So I, I talked with her a couple of days ago, you know. And BB is fine. He's just getting old. And, uh, you know, we all go through it. You know, he'll be 90 years old in September the 16th. He'll be wow. 90 years old. Wow. And, and you know what? I mean, to me, if I can live to be 90 years old and play music, I'll be one happy person, you know. <laughs> That's another personal goal of mine, to play music until I get to be 90 years old. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, in between, uh, probably in Chicago, before you actually made it, what kind of jobs did you do to to, 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 to get by? Did you have any? Oh, just to, to, yeah, to put in? Okay, I did. Uh... <laughs> Look, he don't even remember. <laughs> It's kind of funny because uh, Tony and I, Tony and I, when we went to Chicago, one job we had was like assembling boxes, right? These boxes <laughs> come in and flat, we had to uh, open them up and put them together, and then the next next person would staple them together. And uh, we worked on a assembly line. That was one of one of the jobs I remember working in Chicago. And I don't. Uh, do you ever remember that episode of uh, I Love Lucy when she's working in the chocolate chocolate factory? <laughs> yeah. He, he, all these time kids come in. That's what Tony and I was. We worked for two hours and then fired us. That's that's the funny part. The funny part is we had a nerd ass for our paycheck. 
guess you know you're going to be a successful basis when you can't keep a job for two hours. <laughs> oh, Daddy, Daddy would have killed you. Nine o'clock at 10.30, we was fired. <laughs> but we were, you know, it's so funny because like we have now because we would just cut out the musicians. Uh, I had a security job at one time I tried to, try to do, but it just, you know, you would do a lot of jobs, but the music just, just took over, and then I started playing a lot of music around Chicago. I got a little reputation, you know. And then after a couple of years of scrapping around Chicago, um, then BB King came along, and the rest of history after that, right? So I just had to have the uh, perseverance to hang in there and, and, until something bigger and better came along, and sure enough, it happened, right? Because there was no way that I was going back to Wichita, Kansas. I mean, uh, you know, it just I knew there was nothing there for me in the right. world that I wanted to be in, right? See. I mean, my family was there, but I knew I couldn't do anything in Chicago with the place, and I made it happen. See, yeah, yeah, I definitely understand that because I remember when you left, and uh, my my oldest brother was trying to tell you. He was like Russell, yep. man. He said, w- w- "You ain't gonna never be no 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 successful basis." He said, "Why don't you just?" He said, "He said you need to come on with me." He said, "Look, I've been here at Foot Locker for eight years." He said, it just last week, they let me close. He said, after eight years of traveling, you think a club going to let you close? <laughs> and I told him now, then, every time I show him his albums, he goes, yeah, but did he close? Okay. <laughs> did they yeah. give me the keys to the club? No. <laughs> now, now, Russell, who was your yeah. top five bass players? Can you name your top five bass players? Oh man, you gonna make me do this, huh? Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> okay. We'll start out, of course. We'll start out with James Jameson. Okay. Who's a man in Motown? And then my next bass player would be uh, probably. Uh, let me see. This guy used to play with the Crusaders, Robert Popwell. He also played with Olivia Newton-John. Hmm. And then I would go from there to say uh, Willie Dixon, who is the, the epitome of, of blues bass, Willie Dixon. And then from there, I would have to go with Larry Graham. All right. I got one more. Huh? Let me see. Uh, I guess in the next player would, would probably be uh, Willie Weeks, who played with, did all the recordings with Donny Hathaway back in the 60s and 70s. Your fourth one was Larry who? Larry Graham. Graham. That's what I thought you said. Larry Graham was a bass player that was slashed on Slam the Family Stone for all those years. And then he put his own group together that was called Graham Central Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like a really funky bass player. You know, he's the one that, he's the grandfather of of slap bass on electric bass, Larry Graham is. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I'm laughing is because earlier today, my daughter comes over to the house, and uh, the day before when I was taking her home, I told her you were going to be on the podcast, and uh, I started playing some of your music, and she said, Dad, why is he slapping the bass? (laughs) 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 So I had to explain this whole thing to her as best I could. So then, uh, yeah, so when, today when she came over, 
she was educating her mom on the base mm. on everything okay. I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> it, it's just a, a, a technique that's so uh, popular nowadays. Definitely. Now, see, now you only you played the electric and the acoustic bass. When people come to yeah, see, yeah, yeah, when the, the yeah, when people come to see you, you give them an entire show. Yeah, um, well, you know what? Well, like I did when I was playing at your place there, I, I try to give people like a 90 year history of the blues. And in order to do that, you got to have a stand up bass in there because that's what the blues, that was the first real bass, was the acoustic bass. And it, and it has several different names depending on what style of music you play. But that was the, the mother bass. And then the electric basses came later, you know? So therefore, to me, what I try to do is give people like the whole 90 year history of the blues and, and go down and get a lot of the Delta stuff and a lot of, you know, that requires that stand up bass to, to do it with, you know? Okay. So anyone that comes to see you gets, a, you say, a nine year history? 90. 90. 90 year history. Wow. Yeah, I go back. I go back into like, go back into like 1940s, 1930s. Do a lot of old stuff. Then I do the 1950s, 60s stuff, stuff out of Chicago and swing blues and you know just all different styles, right? Okay. Now, see, I think this, and 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 we're gonna play this, and then you tell me, is this more of a swing blues? Target your baby when I was 17. No conversation, you know what I mean. Target your baby, now I'm 22. I'm all grown up and I know what to do. Target your baby when I was 33. Not about you and all about me. Target your baby. Tell <laughs> Give me your love, don't you give me your jive. Talk at your baby on the telephone. Eddie's over here dancing Bring like Fred Astaire. All alone. Talk at your baby till you're ready for bed. Talk at your baby till I'm out of my head. Love you away, the things you say. I'm feeling good, feeling smooth. Make my life. Baby, I'm falling for you. Talk at your baby when I'm 54. Real, real sweet standing in your door. Talk at your baby now that I'm 66. Wise small girl until we get our kids. Talk at your baby every now and again. Loving you, woman, was my only sin. You and me, what it's all about. Talk at your baby till I'm all talked out. Talk at your baby in your sweetest dreams. There I will stay, I will never tease. When you're awake, <laughs> I will still be there. Eddie don't want to turn it off. <laughs> that was hard turning that off, man. He had told me go, I could go ahead and turn it down if I want to, but I that gave was hard. you the cutoff sign like 20 seconds ago. <laughs> I, I teach a gym class, so you better believe when I go in there tomorrow, I'll say when I was 32, it was all about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let him know, man. <laughs>
That was nice, man. That was uh, nice. Now, <laughs> see, you know what? The, the idea in that song is this guy, he thought he was so cool, and he, and he, been, and he started talking with this woman, and he just, all he just kept talking before you know it, he's 90 years old, and it's too late, he can't do that. It's over. He can talk himself out. <laughs> oh man! See, that's why I got you laughing. So all blues are not sad. Man. Exactly, exactly, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think our readers or our readers, our listeners, are gonna get a kick out of this podcast. This podcast <laughs> is one I've been dying to do. I wanted to get up and running, and and you know, so we get a flow to our podcast. We start getting listeners. Yeah. Um, we this is only podcast number eight. We've got listeners in Russia, in the Netherlands, in Ireland, in Mexico. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. 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 And this just came as a uh, a way of me leaving a bit of legacy for my children. Uh, yeah. So I could show them a different world. They can listen to, to any of the podcasts and and learn something, you know, from, from mm-hmm. all the different people that I've got. So I yeah, really want to sure. thank you, man, for taking the time for being with us. Uh, anybody that has any comments on any of our podcasts can uh, hit us up at double e seven eight five at gmail dot com. Uh, once again, we'll put a link to your music even on here on and to help promote it, even though it don't need any more. Our podcast needed more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, let's get back to you. Now, now you played with James Buddy Rogers and, mm-hmm, up yeah. in Canada. Yeah, he's the guitar player on the uh, Becoming Blue. Okay, he's been playing guitar on there. Yeah, yeah. You were based in Kansas City a lot, also with him, yeah. didn't you? We were. Uh, well, the case the Kansas City Blues Society. We were their favorite band, so we used to come down all the time and do a lot of functions for them back in the middle nineties. See, and then. That was roughly, you played here in Topeka before I had uh, my bar. You played in a in a club here in Topeka. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, I don't either. It was a white <laughs> building, though. Yeah. And, and uh, I got the notice you were going to be there, and I told like three or four people, you know. And it was like, dude, is any good? I ain't heard you in a long time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do the... They, <laughs> the town? Yeah, yeah. It was over like off of 6th Street or something. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because he played Topeka and then the next night in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And the same people that went to, to the to, to Topeka show all drove to Kansas City. Is okay? Right? Yeah, to right? see it the, the and, second and, night. And yeah. why that interests me is because my dad brought in a lot of groups when uh, he was living. He was the uh, first black postmaster in the state of Kansas for the postal okay. service. And he also was uh, the, one of the head, uh, he was the, the uh, uh, pre, uh, what do I want to say, the assist, uh, the vice president of the Elks in 30 states. Okay. Okay. So I'm wondering yeah. if you guys, I'm sure you guys cross paths because he used to bring in a lot of entertainment. And, I'm, and yeah. when he said the white building down by 6th Street, I wonder if he was, if you were talking about, it was, there was a, a place on 4th Street 
And I mean, that's where they were coming. Yeah, they were coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I bet it was the same place. Yeah, yeah. Because then when I opened up my restaurant, Russell came down and played, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. we were able to get the family up there. Um, Short Round and Glenn didn't make it, but that's okay right. because they're celebrating their thirty eighth wedding anniversary. Uh, yep, a couple, sure of, couple of weeks ago, I think it was. So I needed mm-hmm. to throw that in there because I didn't get them a gift. So now they, they <laughs> shout it out on the broadcast. <laughs> but uh, the highlight of uh, Russell playing in, in Neeks was that my son Dominique got to introduce him. How old was Dominique then? Oh, God. Nine? Eight or nine? Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So he told me to tell you hi. He just got back from L.A. He's doing stand-up now. Uh-oh. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, this didn't happen no far too far from the tree, huh? I know. I know. Give <laughs> <laughs> me man. Tell him I said hello and good luck with everything, you know? Cool. I definitely will. Then you, from, from Vancouver, you moved back to the United States, and now you're living in Austin, Texas. Yep, that's why I moved to, uh, when I moved to Canada, I was living in Austin, so I came back. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, pretty good scene here and stuff, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, back, you know what I'm pretty much doing is just reestablishing myself back in the U.S. now, because it's just been 20-some years I've been gone, so uh, I'm back to claim my throne, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so now everybody that was just keeping it warm can now move over. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, did you? And they just had recently South by Southwest, didn't they? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, last month. Okay. Did you perform down there? No, no, no. I'm, I mean, when that comes to town, I go the opposite way. Oh, you know, wow! It's not what people. It's not what people think it is. And what they pretty much do, uh, they exploit the musicians to the to the max. You know, I mean, you got people from all over the world. Musicians come all from all over the world. Record labels and everything is down here, and, and only maybe two percent of the bands actually get a deal. Everybody else is playing for free, sleeping in their cars, and a whole bunch of you know. It's, wow. This is this is crazy, man. This is crazy. So uh, I don't I don't participate in that. That's for them young guys, man. You know. <laughs> okay. So so then, is there another CD coming? Is there what's in the works? Well, right now, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm getting reestablishing myself back here in the U.S. So I'm working with a couple bands out of Chicago. Okay. And, uh, my next CD that I'm going to do, though, probably another year or so from now, I'm not really in a big rush, but it's going to be uh, based around the idea of uh, myself being a young black bass player playing stand-up bass and comparing it to Willie Dixon. So it'll be like, uh, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm who does Willie, so to speak. And I'm going to redo all Willie Dixon songs on the stand-up bass just to keep his legacy alive and, and give me some some kind of players being the next generation to keep his tradition going, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's something I really feel strong about because Willie Dixon was, uh, was the, like I said, the epitome of a blues bass player, and he also made the blues scene in Chicago what it was back in the days, right? Okay. It was a very integral part of that whole... Chess Records recording because he was the one of the main producers, songwriters on the session and bass player, right? Oh, now if you need to any uh, credit, any names for the credits, uh, you can put Double E Podcast on there. 
<laughs> okay. You got it in. <laughs> and your location now is, are you in Chicago or, or where are you at now again? I'm down in Texas now. Texas. I mean, right now I'm in Houston. Here I just Houston. finished up a rehearsal over here in Houston, and when I, once I get off the phone with you guys, I'm driving back to Austin. Okay, Austin is where I live at. Now, are you ever in Dallas? I was just in Dallas Friday and Saturday night. I did a gig in Dallas. That you know, because that's interesting. Because we have a young man that was uh, out of out of uh, Topeka. Uh, it's a family barbecue place in I know Dallas. That. The Babs. Yeah. yeah I, I played for Mike uh, in his place two or three times now. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Small world. Yep. We got to yep. interview him and have him on and went and seen his show one night. Right on. Yeah. Man. Yeah, we had See, Texas Texas Slim well, Ed, was on our second podcast. You know what, Ed? Mike came down to your place and saw me back in the day, man. Yeah. 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 That's how yeah. he remembered me. When he got his picture, he said, Russell, I got to get you up here. I said, no problem. Let's do it, you know? Oh, definitely. Now, uh, we got like 10 minutes left on this podcast, and mm-hmm. I, I have to play this song here because I was told if I didn't, she was going to uh, raise my child support, okay? You've been playing a couple of times. <laughs> this is a song that Russell, uh, he played down when he was at Neek's, the first night he played it, I mean, oh, the girls went crazy. The second night he played it, there were six dudes in the front row with pad and pencil taking notes, okay? <laughs> so so everybody listening to the podcast, all you guys out there, get your pad and pencils ready, okay? Uh, we finna play this song here. You'll, you'll know when you hear it. A woman needs to be loved. A woman needs to be kissed. A woman needs to be hugged. A woman needs to be missed. Don't need no lies while looking deep in her eyes. Tell one lie, tell another. Hey, you got to run and for cover. So give your woman a little bit more your time.
Jackson, who was who was the the, the horn players? Uh, those were just some uh, local guys, some uh, Canadians actually up there in Vancouver. Uh, uh, one guy is um, um, Johnny Ferreira is the main sax player on there. Uh, Johnny Ferreira, and then the trumpet player is a guy that played with Devil McClinton. Uh, but yeah, there's a local uh, Canadian guys. Now, uh, all these songs that we have played, they are all available on his Have Mercy CD. Uh, I believe it's 10, 11 songs on there. Maybe even It's uh, 13, 13 songs on the whole CD, and I wrote 11 of the 13 tracks. Wow. Cool. And then his new one's coming out in a year and a half with the credits. Yeah, uh... Well, we just we just kind of reintroduced the, uh, the the stand up bass back to the blues. You know, uh, it's gonna be some bass around like uh, I'm gonna do a, a couple of Willie Dixon songs and uh, and kind of give people a lesson to that way to let them know how this bass is being kind of snuffed out of the blues, right? Yeah. So it'll be a dedication to Willie Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely let us know when that one comes out, man. We can have you back on. Uh, you'll be you get one right off the press, hot. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. That's what yeah. we want to hear. <laughs> you messed up when you said one because there's two of us here. <laughs> well, just, Every I, other I weekend, like a, I, I can manage two of them. <laughs> Every other weekend, we'll be split. <laughs> yeah, this ain't yeah. your weekend. <laughs> Uh, hey Russell man we want to thank you uh, for taking time out to be with us on the Double E podcast I really do appreciate it uh, thank, you, thank you guys for having me man I appreciate no it no problem but when did you before we leave and we got like five minutes when did you know you made it was there like a what? certain point you know what I, I, don't, I, I don't you know um, I, won't, I won't say I made it I made it made it because I think uh, I'm just in it because I love to do it, you know. And uh, I guess if you want to look at my look at my my track record, so yeah, I guess the BB King years and what I did with several people, yeah, I made it to that to that top top of the mountain, right? Yeah. You don't go any higher than BB King playing blues. But uh, I guess to, to keep myself humble, I still haven't made it yet in my eyes. I mean, what is I don't I, I understand what you're asking me, but. Uh, I don't look at it that way. I look at it. I'm 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 blessed to do something I love to do. I make money at it, and I get the chance to see the world and meet all kind of people. So I guess I have made it in every regards, you know. Uh, it's something I love to do, and 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 I was always taught if you do something you love to do, you never work a day in your life, right? So uh, 
hope that I can I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, you know? yeah. See, you can yeah. you 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 can tell you know your family and friends. You know what? I worked two hours. Well, you really didn't work two hours, but you 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 worked two almost two hours of your entire life. Okay, mm-hmm. you didn't get a check, but you still worked the two hours. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> see, the thing with my job is time goes by so fast because I'm always having fun. It's always a challenge when you go out there from song to song. It's always a challenge to see if you can get somebody's attention and they understand what you're talking about or what you're singing about, right? Right. So, so it's, 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 to me, it's the best job in the world. <laughs> Dude. Uh, comedy, you know, we get we get quick we get quick satisfaction. We know quick. I know. Yeah, we know right away if we bomb. We, <laughs> well, we do too because if nobody get up dance, <laughs> <laughs> you like you like. Oh man, am I doing the right thing? Oh, What's going on here, right? But then you go. That's when you go searching for them until you can find them and get yes, them. You know. Yes, yeah. exactly. Sure. Well, well, man, drive safe. Okay. Uh, take okay. it easy, and uh, once again, man, thank you for doing the Double E podcast. Good luck, Russell. Good luck. All right, no brother. Keep doing Love it. You, man. All Love right, you guys, and I'll, I'll talk with you later. Then, thanks. Hey, thank you, man. And that yeah. was Russell Jackson of the Double E podcast. <laughs>